Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 34 of the podcast called College Brew, where two friends, Beliza and the kid, talk about fish and beer. And tonight we have a special Feedback. slash reoccurring guest, J3PO. Hi. Welcome back. I'm back. It's did, good to be back. Did you know that there's like this up and coming keyboard player who uses the same moniker as you do? I saw that and I was like, I don't, what am I supposed to do about that? I don't know. <laughs> I did. I totally saw that and it was like, A, I, I, I wish I were that good at uh, keyboard, but <laughs> also like... He's wicked good. I'm pretty sure I've been J3PO longer than him, so I... I but now he's more famous than me, so fuck, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> it's a catch-22. Unless you copyrighted it, you'll never be able to prove. Copyrighted it, God. Copyrighted it? Yeah, copyrighted it. I honestly don't think you could ever get that copyrighted because George Lucas would come storming in and be like, yep, I got it all. C-3PO, J-3PO, <laughs> B-3PO, fuck you. You're probably, that's probably very accurate. <laughs> like, if I were ever, like, I mean, if you remember the band, uh, band a hip-hop group two live crew from the late 80s um luther campbell was their front man but he went by luke skywalker until he got sued by george lucas jesus christ <laughs> does he still own rights to all that and he sold it to disney is that how it works uh, i don't know super complicated but basically disney owns all that shit now they were they able own to it. redefine canon yeah they own everything they have Bought it all. They actually just got 21st Century Fox current event. Yep, all of it, except for Fox News. Yeah. And they own Jeez. ESPN. Disney? Yeah. Disney's taking over our, our media intake. Dude, I, my <laughs> aunt bought me stocks in Disney when I was like eight years old. Oh, you're a billionaire probably. Really? How, how, I'm not joking. <laughs> not a lot. Not a lot. I think we should start having a different podcast <laughs> about what we're going to do with the money. Yeah, I got to check my stocks. I have other stocks. I have other vestiges. I have a 401k that I haven't rolled over. It's like eight grand just sitting somewhere in the just ether. Gotta, yeah. I got to start collect, calling in all these Start my monies. brewery, damn it. You got <laughs> a fucking pub. portfolio there. <laughs> Diversified portfolio. I just love when people are like, oh, I'm boycotting the NFL and all the companies it's associated with. And it's like, great, your favorite movie Star Wars. So good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will say um, I don't really feel like watching football anymore. I'm one of those people. I'm not going to stop like partaking in Disney activities, though. That's impossible. I mean, it's <laughs> to to boycott everything that's involved with the NFL is like, uh, well, like really hard. I but. think the interesting <laughs> argument was someone the other day was just like, oh, you know, I'm gonna, you know, f Nike for doing that thing with Kaepernick, and it was just like Nike took all the money they made from those commercials and invested them in GOP. Like they took a lot of that money and put it back into the you know Republican Party. <laughs> Yeah, great. whatever. Fish and beer. Anyways, <laughs> fish and beer. We're on the fish side. We fish already us. right. So we came in on the wedge from two nine ninety three. Did I write that down correctly? Two nine ninety three. Rochester. Okay. Yeah, J three PO wanted to uh, talk about this year, I believe. Right. Well, just um, being that it's you know early spring here anyway, uh, March. Um, oftentimes I know Lizzie does this too, where I'll, I'll listen to, it's like, Ooh, it's today was 319. So I listened to a part of 31993. It's like, Oh, this day in fish history, what went down? Well, so I was listening to some of this and I really like the early spring tour 
1993 because it's the first time you ever see Paige McConnell with uh, actual piano on stage, a baby grand. And that's what I think it boosted a lot of their energy. I mean, you had the debut of Love and Cup, which he refused to cover until he got a baby grand on stage. Um, but the song I found most curious because I didn't remember this at all. I have no recollection of them ever doing this, but The Wedge, which we all know, also made its debut on this tour. Um, it's a song off Rift, and normally it starts out with, you know, that classic drum beat. Yeah, the bouncy, bouncy yeah, yeah. drums. And then, you know, the guitars come in, and it just kind of builds that way, and it's just more of an organ bass kind of groovy tune. Well, in the, on this whole tour, they... Intro the song, it's the, the same drum beat, but they're doing it over this minor sort of descending Latin kind of groove, and it's all for Paige to just rip solos on. And it later goes back into that section in the middle of the song at some point um, for a piano solo by him, and they dip back into that chord progression, just really don't come out of it until right when the lyrics would start, and then they're right back into it. We're bobbing on the service, and it just goes back into the normal song. And I thought it was so cool... I even tweeted at Paige McConnell, like, can we get more of this? Like, bring this idea back. See, I'm back. so glad you just said that. Because I feel like the only reason why... I don't even want to say, like, they don't play songs, cool parts the way they used to. Like, because the song's, like, devolved or anyway. I think they just forget that they did things at one time. That is exactly right. And they even admit it. Um, the whole lore of the second jam in Mike's song, where they go down to F which is why they would segue it into simple a lot in the mid to late 90s. Um, someone brought that back up to Trey a few years ago, and it was like, you know, you guys used to do a second jam on Mike's and F, and he's like, we did? We did that? Weird. I like jamming an F. Maybe we could try that tonight. And he's like, if you want to break Twitter, try it. And they pretty much <laughs> did, but that I don't think they remember at all. When you've played that many shows, you just sure. some ideas go by the wayside, and you're excited about new stuff, so you just forget about it. And this is a gem to me. I was so delighted when I... And in fact, I didn't even realize they were... I'll do this thing where I'll, I'll put the show on and then I'll minimize that page so I won't see... Um, What's coming the up? The set list. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I won't see so the set list. So I'm just at work and then it's yeah. like... And so I'm like curious. It's like there's this crazy piano solo going on and all of a sudden the lyrics come in and I was just... I had this big shit-eating grin on my face at work. <laughs> I was just like, wow, this is neat. This is funny because basically what you're saying too is that you've listened to so many shows and have been a fan for so long that you yourself forget <laughs> and get to re-experience it again. Almost yeah, like I mean, I am 100% sure I had some of these tapes. I think I even had this show on tape, on cassette, you know, when I was in high school. Maxwell 2. <laughs> Max Maxell, but Max yeah, Excel, yeah, dude. what you said. <laughs> Damn, hashtag fail, young, ding dong. Um, how many cassettes have you owned in your life? Uh, actually, quite a lot. Um, Is that right? My dad uh, had this like crazy like CD organizer that everybody had in their house. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And at one point, he hit the threshold where he had like rebought the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and all the CDs that he had from cassettes. And he was like, "I got to get rid of this whole cassette side of the organizer." And I was like seven or eight, and he was like, "You can have all these cassettes." So I went out, and my parents got me this like yellow cassette like tape thing, like sports cadet. Uh, cassette. Like it's called the Walkman. Yeah, what well, you guys said. <laughs> <laughs> I could like go around with it, listening to these cassettes. It's pretty funny. You had a Walkman when you, you were six. You didn't know what it was called. I was seven or eight. Yeah. 
What tapes would you listen to? I just remember it was bright flipping yellow. Yeah, I had that same one probably, uh, or a very similar one. Waterproof, uh, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I listened to a lot of Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey. Uh, right, right. Like all this. Your like, dad had those on cassette. Shit. My dad had, was either like super like classic rock or like soul R and B. It was really weird. Um, I don't know. He liked to sing. But so you were you. given these cassettes, right? I remember. So it's a little different. Yeah, you never also, did. Yeah, did you yeah. ever go to a store and buy a cassette? No. By the time I bought like nobody my beats first, the Wiz. my first, <laughs> I do like the Wiz. Um, He's on down the road. Uh. No, first media I ever purchased was a CD. That's so I'm, crazy, man. I'm too uh, too young for cassettes. <laughs> well, no, wait, FYE, what's that store in the mall? Where they, I remember when they got rid of all their cassettes. For your entertainment, like, yes, yeah, FYE. It's, it was crazy. They just were giving them away, like 50 cents a tape. People would just come in and start rummaging through them and shit. They're back now. I wonder what happened in that like stage of time where like fish was transforming from tapes to like the internet was picking up and all of a sudden you yeah. could like like tapes probably just disappeared. <laughs> Forms just went dead. Well, I can <laughs> did, did, I can did actually fish talk a lot about things that. on tape. Well, the albums. Yeah, on tapes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Really? So if, People, I, if I went on like you, eBay, you oh yeah, for sure. Like you. Ugh, good luck. I'm sure I don't. I, I, I wonder at what point, like, did they not put something out on a cassette? Probably. I bet you even "Story of the Ghost" was available on a cassette. Really? But you it's could a, get that's what ninety eight, right? It was released. Story, I think it was released in ninety eight. Yeah. yeah, most of those songs were written by ninety seven, but it was released in ninety eight. Yeah. October of 98, I want to say. So still cassettes in 98, that's pretty crazy. Because I'm 10 years old at this point. And I've already right. bought my first CD. Uh, I mean, by 98, everybody just had CDs, mostly. Um, except for this whole legion of Fish fans where, like, you know, some people, like by 98, you started seeing some people burn CDs. Like, well, we have the show digitally, we're burn CDs, but I was still hawking tapes. Huh. And you slowly saw it fade out. So around the turn of the century, you know, um, I remember the first thing I got on CD, it, it was Big Cypress, and it was like 12 CDs, <laughs> you know, awesome. or whatever, for like just the midnight set, because it was midnight to sunup. It was like an ungodly amount of CDs, and it was stupid, because like, I mean, e tapes wouldn't have fit either, but it's we're so spoiled by being able to just listen to the whole giant if whether it's five hours or yeah. 70 minutes right. or whatever Digitally. it is yeah, yeah. for I, sure i actually just digitized a lot of your fish dvds to put on my plex server so i could watch it wherever i want and one of the things that i couldn't believe was that clifford's ball was like what is it seven discs of dvds yeah I was like, this is a lot of DVDs for a show. I was like, this it must be well, a DVD for like a festival, and it's it like is. one for it's, it's a festival, yeah. And then it's like one for each set. It's and I'm six like, sets, slowly, yeah. yeah. Realizing that it's like DVD per set, yep. And like that's just because at the time that that DVD box that set, yeah, yeah, it was made. That's what the media could. It's fit. considered the first, like when you say Super Bowl nine or Magna Ball was ten. Clifford Ball is one. Like, no one really counts the old Amy's Farm festivals that they put on in, you know, the early, early 90s or late 80s. But uh, Clifford Ball was the OG. Yeah, it's just interesting to me if they re-released that on, like, remastered Blu-ray disc, it would be two discs. 
Huh. So it's just interesting to me how Wait, the actual really? size. Wait, really? fit all that? Yeah, it's the data. It's just how much data right. can fit on the disk. So that's what I'm saying. I think we talked about this last. Uh, digital media. Yeah, just yeah, digital media in general and how much it's digital. evolved and like the size of it just makes Simulcast it Because that's what I was ripping. Legality yeah. of music and digital media. I was basically saying like now at this point you could, you can't use cameras as like a means to not have more angles because they're expensive and like operators and shit because you can use your freaking iPhone <laughs> and get yeah. like 4K resolution. Like it's getting so dumb at this point where. And there's an app that you can download that is a scanner. A scanner for what? Documents. Oh, if you yeah, don't need yeah. a scanner. You just download an app. <laughs> you just wave your Welcome phone over the, the net. You hold it over the piece of paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It and it digi- digitizes yeah, it. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. incredible. Oh, my God. So that's, that's, how I, that's what so, I learned so the today. List, the that's list how is I showing her. Checks, yeah. I was going to say, she's showing her oh, yeah. age well, today. That's true. <laughs> I'm showing my youth. You're showing your age. I just I couldn't believe it. Welcome to the net. I'm going to show my butt. It's such a practical use of the device like you know what i mean it's such it's a good use of it like well so here's one thing that i think is really interesting speaking about page 93 is that one thing that technology will never replicate well is a grand piano sound ever i've never even like nord which i own a nord like the nicest of keyboards i've ever seen hammond like no one can reproduce this baby grand sound and it's really interesting that you brought up 93 because that's when he finally gets this genuine sound big moment when you go see billy joel and when you go see elton john and when you go see a lot of people they have the shell of a grand piano and dropped in it where the keyboard is is like the newest bestest roland fucking piano copy you could ever find why would they do that uh i don't easier sound i guess easier to mix i don't know why if you're you don't have to tune it, I guess. Like, I don't know why if you're oh, Elton John yeah, or yeah, Billy yeah. Joel. It's like, you know, you'll see people come out and tune Paige's piano, like, between sets and stuff. Sure. Like, yeah, the environment uh, makes yeah, it yeah. completely warm. So I think yeah. it's easier to deal with that way. And I and I think if you listen to a Billy Joel concert or an Elton John concert from, like, the last couple of years, you would think, actually, that it is a real piano. Huh. I would. I don't know. You're, Say that. That's interesting. I would have to go back and listen to it now. I would also have to find like the same way we get uh, the SBDs for fish. I would have to find those copies if they exist. <laughs> he, so, but Paige uses his baby grand. Uh, it's a full-on concert grand. Concert now. grand, yeah. like a lot though. First of like, all, I've I've also heard of like. Uh, operators telling me that they work shows where like Stevie Wonder is playing out front and there's a dude behind a screen who's actually playing piano in the back and they're just <laughs> it looks Nilli- like Nilli- Stevie's Nilli- playing Nilli- but he's it? not playing anymore. Oh, I don't know. Like, I don't know about that. Uh, that's, like, that's crazy. I wonder. Crazy shit. Like, no, but now that you're saying they drop the digital piano yeah. on top of like I could, you were like, oh yeah, tuning in, like doing, and if you're going on tour, it's easier to just pick Put take the shell apart, put it in a gig case, and roll it out instead of having to roll a whole. Everything grand. about his entire rig. The reason why it's so fucking crazy is because he likes to have like everything authentic. It's very and much real. all original. Yeah, 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 like, and that's why, like, I understand, like, that's maybe your gripe with him sometimes is that he doesn't use everything to the m- most it can be used. You know what I mean? Like it's to, to its fullest potential. Yeah. But it's again, it's, it's a, about authenticity. Wait a minute. What? 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 Oh, this what's happened on the, uh, the last episode. Yeah, I was saying how like um, there you there hate are moments that he doesn't use. There's moments where I feel like he could be getting so many more sounds and so much more involved and like 
spacier jams and stuff, he gets stuck on one keyboard because the one keyboard is set a very specific way. So the keyboard that's on top of the little pumpkin that he's been using for a lot of the spacier jams right now, it's got this like touchscreen uh, mm. square in the middle. Uh, I forget what the fuck Alesis? it's called. Um, probably. <laughs> it's tuned to this like one specific sound. So when they get into a jam, it's not like he's going to the knobs and starting to like mess around and change stuff because he has it exactly the way he wants it to. Or if he even turns around to the Nord, the Nord is a glorified sound cue. Like that's how he gets all the sounds for uh, the Halloween set. The well, it's all the samples. Yeah, too. yeah. samples. Yeah, yeah. So he mostly uses it for that. Right. So it's like that's what I'm saying. A Nord could be, you know, it's got a thousand sounds on it, and all of them are pretty cool sounding. And if you didn't want to use it that way, a Nord Stage Three, which is what he's using, is also a synth. So he could go up to his sound tech and be like, "I want you to put these crazy synths on here that I now have like full control over and right. use them this way." And he doesn't; he still just uses it for sound cues. I think he's so a little bit more purist, and I actually kind of like it. I get what you're saying, but yeah. I think, especially coming from you know when I was first going to fish shows, he had a Rhodes, an organ, a piano, and like a little electric piano on top of his on the top shelf of his his grand piano, and that was it. Yeah. So you get your three keyboard sounds, and then every once in a while a synth if they kind of went funky, which they didn't really do a lot. And so seeing it expand into 97, 98, 99, it's like, whoa. It seems like there's a lot more options. And I think if you go back and listen to, especially some of the fall of 97, there's cool spacey jams where he's definitely using oscillators to, to like tweak sounds and stuff. And he even did it a little bit. Like I noticed some cool stuff on this past New Year's run that I thought was really sick that were sounds I wasn't necessarily accustomed to hearing. Also, they're doing a lot with like delay jams and when if Trey has his whole delay rig going like like for example in the funky part of tube like they'll often escape the funk into this sort of more ambient but like plinko kind of like right whatever I'm doing it with my mouth but <laughs> <laughs> um what I mean is that like so when they each all have these delay oscillators going on and stuff it's certain sounds don't really work and it's hard to do on the fly and I think their whole his whole thing is I want to have a lot of keyboards at my disposable disposal and ready because I don't know where we're going to be and our whole thing is to try to not think about it whereas like oh we're in a cool section in this jam let me go to preset fucking 3022 on my Nord and pull that up and then now I'm out of it you know yeah, I don't know if that's also just because of my ADHD, but I feel like when I had access to all these sounds, a lot of my like downtime of that was like going through them all and exploring them all and writing down like what songs I thought could use these sounds in different ways. And like I got super lost in it. And I think because I tumbled down that rabbit hole pretty deep, I look at him and I go, yeah, I get it that you're a purist and you want to do this sometimes, but there's also so much more if you like take a look at it that you could be doing. Um, and there's an interesting video of uh, it's Trey and Fishman playing with his xylophone and they're running that xylophone through this like new little pedal that he has. And it also has a very similar like little square on it. And as he presses on it and moves around or whatever, it changes the filter and the oscillator. It's and all the that thing stuff. he used when they covered the Radiohead song yeah. on the vocals for the Baker's Dozen. Also, the xylophone that you speak of is called a marimba luna. Yeah, yeah. 
This is why we ask you back on. You <laughs> right. Instant fact check. No one goes, oh my God, I can't believe you're saying this. Ah! <laughs> Homer Simpsons themselves. Where does uh, 93 fall in like the .0 versions? It's 1.0. It's still 1. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. 1.0 like, is 80, 83 to, to through 2000. Yeah. Okay, so it's still not even close. Was this 2.0 the first, starts so was this the, the first end of 2002. Big, like, uh, equipment, like rig change since their origin? Yeah, so they were touring with basically the same equipment, I think, from like, you know, 89 through 92. And um, at the end of 92, they started to get bigger. They're, 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 the jump truck is no longer, sure. now they have proper buses. I mean, if you look at the, the dates for the 93 spring tour, I think they do like 27 shows in 29 days or something. Like it's like they're grinding. Yeah, their numbers are insane but from the, like the early 90s. It's stupid. The venues that they were playing started to get a little bit bigger. So like if they were coming through like New York, instead of playing, you know, um, the wetlands or whatever, which is a far gone old club what are they called? instead of playing like bowery ballroom or the mercury lounge they're playing roseland you know right, like, right. so they're right the, the venues there's there's more stage space there's there's more money there's more backing involved and they're they're really starting to grow and you can tell they're like psyched about it like right, it's a, it's right, a right. cool tour and they're also like their chops are really starting to show they're starting to hone in on what would become like the great tension and release kind of jam sections that really define everything through new year's 95 <laughs> so get this so new year's eve run of 93 is four shows summer tour of 93 is 33 shows the winter spring 93 tour is 71 shows yeah that's nuts right now they average about 30 shows an entire year and the reason <laughs> yeah that's insane. crazy yeah <laughs> Damn, so playing man. Two, th- you know, two thirds more than they're playing currently. Yeah, like look, Insane. if you look at the, I don't know how. I think ninety four is the most shows played. I want to say, ninety four is a lot. It's twenty nine, forty four, and four. Um, it looks like ninety five is actually it's fifty four shows in the just the fall, the four for New Year's, and then twenty two for summer. Yeah, ninety six kind of tweedles out. Ninety seven, same. Um, ninety-eight. Well, by then they have kids and stuff, and yeah. you know they're bigger. They're playing, you know, arenas. Ninety-four is pretty close too. It's forty-six and forty-four. It's what like in the eighties, and yeah, ninety-five. Is so what, after introducing the piano, this piano, what was the next like biggest equipment and or sound change? Well, um, I guess the next biggest thing is the move from theaters and gyms to arenas. To having to fill a room in the round like MSG or whatever. Sure, so by sure, the end sure. of '94, you know they they sold out Madison Square Garden. So I think in that regards, the biggest upgrade is like what they're bringing with them in terms of what what they're hanging in the air, like the PA system, like and the lighting, lighting. Rig okay, really okay. started got to got evolve. Got okay, interesting. In terms of page, the next big, really big upgrade I think is like. Somewhere between 96 and 97 where he really starts adding a lot of different cool keyboards like the clavinet and other Wurlitzers and things to his to his rig. Yeah, the, the hard question that you ask is, I mean, the, the hard thing about answering the question that you asked is that each person is also using different equipment. So like sure, they're all going to sure. add different pedals and different things sure. that are going to alter their sounds. Like I wonder the first time uh, Gordo had the organ pedals 
that let him drop the the super base bombs. I'm pretty that sure that's a 2.0 thing. Right. Um, so it's like so you, that's what I'm saying. So you're now not getting so that I was going to say that before like Paige for the first time in Riviera Maya that I ever noticed kind of took over that role in one of their songs and he was dropping like bass synth bombs that yeah. were super dope and I was like, "Damn, that's normally like a mic thing." Paige just went right in there and he just did it like super cool. It's, um, that's actually happened in the past. There's some great, especially on, on the last tour of 1.0, which is the year 2000, heading into those Shoreline shows, which were the last shows. Um, there's some really cool page, like bass bomby kind of effects. Um, in terms, also in terms of gear, though, uh, a big thing that's important is in the fall of '96, Trey starts using the Koa Two. Um, his Got second, it. his second languedoc, and then in '97, I think starting with Europe, Mike abandons the languedoc five-string bass that he always played for the modulus graphite, which was the bass of choice by Phil Lesh, and he also switched to using a pick a lot more regularly. Um, before '97, I think he just solely played with either the two-finger method or the slapping method, and he really. Huh. It changed his sound a lot by it evened it out um, by switching to a pick and starting to play a modulus bass. So other evolutions in gear happened. That's cool, man. I wish I could like pick out. I wish I could with my ear just pick out things like that. I can't. I can't even tell what instruments are making what noises. Sometimes it's hard to tell when they're in <laughs> these weird, <laughs> these weird deep jams that they've been doing yeah. lately. It's like, wait, is that who is that? Which yeah. person is doing what? Like, Making yeah. that noise. I think it's a great sign. <laughs> it, yeah, it's it, an extraordinary thing. Well, I mean, you just got to a point now where you're starting to hear things like flubs and stuff. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if your ear's not still attuning to that stuff, too, where you're like, oh, I'm used to this song sounding pretty similar at its core, and I know that this is around what's supposed to happen. Now, all of a sudden, so-and-so's doing this instead. Like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'll get there. You're on. I'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about this trade documentary. Just announced, what, like four days ago, five days ago? I don't know. Last week, I think. Yeah, something like that. Who Today's is what, who Tuesday? is making it? Uh, uh, somebody, I think Dan Cantor, I want to say, is the director's name. It's called Between Me and My Mind. Yeah. Nice. Good name. Very cool. Um, Very cool. It's going to premiere on April 26th at the... Beacon Theater as part of Tribeca Film Festival, um, which that is not a normal venue uh, for Tribeca. Obviously, it's in Tribeca. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think all of it's in Tribeca, but it's at smaller, like actual movie theaters. So gotcha. this is a big deal. It's funny. I have a friend that works for Tribeca, and I was like, "Yo, get me in," and he's like, "Not that one, buddy." <laughs> really? Yeah. And but then Dang. Tab is gonna play two sets after it. Cool. And tickets went on sale today. Um, I don't know if they're sold out. I had a crappy. Workday, so I didn't have time to like try to get them. I guess we're ending this episode with light then. <laughs> light? Yeah, that's where the lyrics come from. That is where the lyrics come Between me and my, my mind, mind, I can feel the light is growing right now. now. We should play the one from Hampton or the one from the New Year's. <laughs> we um. And it's just a documentary about Trey Anastasio. It's about his, it's specifically to quote, driven by a constant need to create, Frischman frontman Trey Anastasio takes on new projects, including some of his most personal music to date, as well as Fish's ambitious New Year's show at Madison Square Gardens. I'm excited to see behind the scenes footage of last New Year's. 
and you even though you were reading it and looking at it, you still said it wrong. But it's <laughs> so funny. You called fish fish men. Oh yeah. <laughs> fish Anyways, men. Um, fish it, it looks men. cool. I mean, I'm interested in it. I, that's all that's been released about it. So there's really no other talking points. I have no idea. Like, Rad. Very what's cool. it? What it's gonna really entail i just want to watch some dude sit with him in his freaking apartment figuring out how he's gonna create set lists and do whatever like nerds are gonna he is is, maybe it's like just because i don't really follow anybody else or like care as much about other band people yeah band members but he is a crazy creative person (laughs) like he has he's like jrr tolkien he has like things going on in his brain that I don't know. I'll That's never the woman know. Who wrote Harry Potter, right? Yep, you got it. Nailed it. Got it. J.R.R. Rowling. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's cool. I'm excited. It'll be cool. Is it going to be like released like in theaters after that? Is it going to be like a thing people I, I can watch? It's, it's like it'll probably be downloadable and yeah, yeah, okay, and cool, released cool. in other theaters. Yeah. yeah. Proceeds will go to the Waterwheel Foundation, save some Is that what lake it says or, whatever. or are you just making know. that up? Great. Know, probably. Misinformation. <laughs> you just made that up out of nowhere. <laughs> you didn't even need to say it and you're like, "Yeah, it's going to go to the Waterwheel Foundation." It's like, "How do you know?" I I don't. <laughs> I don't know anything about it other than what I just read incorrectly. <laughs> Man, I I would love to see I haven't seen Full Tab in a while because the the organ player was going through cancer treatment. Yeah. You saw him play with the trio though. I saw him play with the trio, but it wasn't full tab. Yeah. yeah. So like now that full tab is back, it's nice to know that they're going to get their shit together. Vita blue. I'm talking to you. Get your shit together. I'm really (laughs) excited about ghost of the forest. I'm uh, super, super excited new. about Nobody this. Knows. An- another, another one of these things where it's like, what the hell is Dude, this? For what all we know, though, we could go there and it's a bluegrass band. And I'm going to freaking pull my hair out. It, did you not <laughs> listen to the 20 second, the two yeah, 20 there's, second there's snippets of music? Yeah, no, I haven't. I'm oh. going in blind. Okay. I want to go in, bl- well, in blind. I have the same. You're still <laughs> blind if you hear 40 seconds of music. <laughs> trust me. I uh, and also it's a bad analogy because you hear music. Yeah. yeah so yeah. maybe you want to go in deaf. <laughs> I uh, have this rule with movies that I want to see that I don't watch past the teaser trailers anymore, and I'm doing the same thing with this. I'm like, I'm not gonna. Well, these are that. teaser trailers, so you can watch them. It's acceptable. <laughs> no. Or hear them, as I should say. the The music on them sounds really cool and interesting, and I just. I want to know more about it. Is there going to be an album before these tour dates? Like, what are they going to do when they play two nights somewhere? Like, here we're going, Liza and I are going to Ghosts of the Forest on April 13th at the Palace Theater up in Washington Heights. They're also playing Friday the 12th. Is it the same thing? Like, what's it going to be? You know? I, I've I'll know before you. Cause yeah, we're oh, you're going to the Portland. Portland, right? Yeah, yeah we're yeah. seeing them in Portland. Yeah, you're, you're going to see them twice, you weirdo. I know. Get those numbers under my belt if they turn out to be a thing. They don't count towards your fish I know, numbers, I'm though. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm totally joking, dude. Calm down. I tried to fluff my numbers once. I had to have a whole conversation about how you count a festival, how many sets it counts as. Yeah, I was we, like, we definitely trying to debated that. Boost one my numbers. One calendar day equals one show. It doesn't matter how many <laughs> sets they play. It's yeah. just, that's just the rule. I, I hotly disagree with that. Uh, yeah, because you, you don't count New Year's as more than a show because they play a third set. They play and four shows. What? On uh, a run, they play four shows for New Year's. 
Is that, yeah. That's four but shows. No, no, but I'm saying New Year's Eve is an extra set. Do you count that as like one and a third show? No, 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 no. Yeah. I count shows by shows. Right. So one day is one show. You can't count a festival as more than two shows if it's two days. You're trying to squeeze out extra sets to boost your guess, numbers because you feel like know. a young fish. No, man. no, it's Just okay. I don't care. It's okay. Who cares? <laughs> Speaking of side projects, let's talk about, is it called, is Mike Band, what is it, what the fuck Mike is this band called? The Mike, Mike Gordon Go- Band? Mike Gordon Band, I guess it's just Mike Gordon, really. So he has a band yeah. that just says, I'm Mike Gordon. That's his solo project. Right. Um, right, right, right. But the other band members are cool. Of note, um, Scott Murawski plays guitar and I think does a lot of the songwriting and has made most of the records with Mike. Um he plays in Max Creek as well as Mike Gordon Band, which is a famous kind of older bluegrass slash evolved into sort of jam band. Um, Robert Walter is the keyboard player who also has a band called Fifth Congress. Um, he's a really sick keyboard player. Um, and his wife is Julia Dormount, who does all the Fish New Year's, New Year's gags. She's a choreographer. So it's there's something there. And they've been the same band for... Um, like eight years or so now and so they have a lot of tread you know they've, they've got a lot of a lot of miles there so um i think they've evolved a little bit and it was a really fun show in jersey city <laughs> the greatest place on earth <laughs> uh, yeah. armpit sunday night i was there i guess to clarify um, <laughs> at the white eagle hall which i'd never been to i think it's kind of new it's a nice venue um i would go back i might go back for marco benevento later this month um, but it was it was nice. It was a good show. Um, a cool Fiona Apple cover, some sweet emotion, uh, and then some good Mike favorites. Um, you guys are a little lackluster on the uh, the Mike vibe. I uh, truthfully uh, haven't heard one song that that band has played. Uh, we're gonna oh, we're gonna go. do it for the set break, and Great. I'm convinced by the end of the set break, Great. you're gonna be like, I'm glad the song is over. You gonna play the one <laughs> I queued up? Yeah, Andelman's. Yeah, yeah. Right? Why don't you tell us a little bit about? What am I? What am I gonna play? Well, Andelman's Yard is a cool uh, Mike song that's kind of got a Leo Kotke influence in the uh, the sort of finger picking style arrangement of the bass and the keyboards and the guitar. It's I think it's really tight and it's got quirky Mike lyrics. Um, I love Mike lyrics, um, so I picked that one. I was gonna play Yarmouth Road, but like we all know Yarmouth Road already, so I wanted to do na, something na, na, that maybe. Na, 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 na. I like he that said song. that, and I just, I don't know why my head just went to Destiny. We are on the road. That's Destiny, Destiny unbound. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, um. just because your brain is short circuited, and both of them have road in them. You're like an old man already, man. You should not yeah, fear. You shouldn't fear. Yeah, you shouldn't ADHD fear. ADHD is basically young person Alzheimer's. Yeah, you, s- <laughs> you, you mentally you, you just disassociated because both have road. <laughs> well, who's singing in this song? Is it Gordo? Yeah, it's the recorded version. Okay. Cool. Ooh. And get the cotton ready for my ears. Are we at set break? <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, sure. If we got nothing else, nothing, nothing yeah. fishy to talk about. Well, I was going to say we should listen to the piano solo from The Wedge that we were talking about. Oh, yeah? You want to hear that real quick? I just, yeah, I'll you're try gonna to find to it. cue it up, I guess. I was going to say, I'm going to have to try to find it. Do you know where in the song it, it kind of is? Like towards the middle, middle okay. end-ish. Middle endish. I'll try to find it. Let's see what I can do. This is like the middle ish. Okay, that's this is it. Yeah. 
I chose this version because there's a jam charts about it. I'm looking right at it. Let's see what the jam chart says. A modified progressive intro provides a glimpse of what the song will soon assume. A strong outro featuring great work from Trey and Paige highlights an evolutionary marker in the development of this song. Except they never went back to this part, so I don't know. Right, it hasn't developed into this. Yeah. It was once at one time, and now it's gone back. you got to break Twitter. It's Paige. I'm pretty sure he... He doesn't tweet that much, and I don't think when he does, it's actually him. I think Mike might be the only one that actually does his, his own, own tweets. Yeah. yeah, that sounds right. I can't believe this is the wedge. They're in a different key. That was sick. <laughs> I think they just went to the relative minor, probably, but it's it's cool. It, it yeah. really just... I was so surprised how surprised I was when I was listening to it, like, a week ago or whatever. It's That's my cool. favorite thing. Like you said, like, putting on a show and just, like, letting it go and, then like, doing other things. And, like, when you're doing something, you're like, what what the fuck is happening? Like, what is this shit? And then you, yeah. have, to, and then you have to, like, go check. You're like, oh, this is great. Like, what, yeah. what shows is this? What are they doing? Like, where is the timestamp? I think it, it's awesome. Cool. Let's, on that awesome fish note, let's Oh, let's, man. You're going to throw them right into the Gordo, Gordo Band? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> it's time to drink some beers. Okay. Yeah, we got to get to the beer segment. All right. So, uh, we will see you after this short 15-minute break. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing it. If you could go back to your old town this time dig a hole and tunnel underground you'd be doing what i do when i'm dreaming hard in a maze of tunnels in the endelman's yard i forgot my problems or so it seems i was able to leave them another dream but I got my friends and we're running hard a few feet beneath the fallen leaves in the Edelman's yard
Welcome back to Gotta Jabrew, the podcast where the Lizza has been messing up the intro quite frequently. I haven't been messing it up at all. I've been flirt <laughs> adding little flourishes. How's that messing it up? Do you I left it? It, if I left it in your hands, it would be messed up. If Paige were here, he'd be a purist about it. He'd be like, hey, get back to the original sound. Um, See how much better using my words I am than you are. <laughs> I, it's, I don't have to sit. Don't say is anything. A, is that Just a contest? Because that's a no con. A, a vote of no confidence. For do myself? you actually have a thing written down that is a scripted intro? No. And he's mad that you're going off of yeah. script, which is no. very unfish. Like it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just throwing some, some rounds. You're throwing some smack at me. That's <laughs> fine. You complain when I do it the same. You complain when I change it. Yeah, so my, you complain either here. way. Just say it's my role here. Yeah, yeah. Same with fish. Same with everything in your life. <laughs> I'm sure you'll complain about these beers. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure there'll be massive complaints across the board. Um, it's fine. Well, we have an interesting thing going on on this episode because we have uh, two beers that. I've never tried before that I'm trying live for the first time. J3PO's got, I think, four beers here. I've never, I don't think I've ever drank yeah, any, had of any of them. And then the Lizza has had all of these beers. I've had all of them. <laughs> so You're we have expert. A, I was going to say, we have you a very interesting level of I was just looking around the table and my heart sunk because we have three IPAs and then one porter. And my favorite one out of all of them is the porter, and that's not the odd thing. It's like my heart sunk because there's three IPAs. I mean, we got these beers. <laughs> I wish in there Vermont. was another style. Uh, Vermont's the land of IPAs. <laughs> I think everything is the land of IPAs. Right, these but days. Vermont sick of it. started it all. They started it all with the Alchemist. Well, Are the, you referring well, to the Alchemist? The, they started the whole New England IPA, crisis. right? And they, that's they honestly did, what they we're. Did. We got two beers from the Alchemist, which are basically, you know, he, he ironically he started New England yeah, IPAs. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't get Fogelbanger or Hetty Topper. No, we refused because we've everybody's had that. Everybody listening to this podcast has had that, and there's no reason to really talk about it. Yeah. Um, I'd rather See, talk they're about they're the OGs. Uh, what I thought was interesting is that when you go to their um, the, their the tasting the room, East Coast Plenty. Precisely. <laughs> when you go to their tasting room, they give you these interesting cups and you can just walk up to the taps and just get as much beer as you want. So you can hang out there all day and drink as much focal banger and heady topper as you want. But that's it. They have those two and then they have the Elena, I think is the other one that they had on draft. Just those three. Yeah. And you could just go up to the tap as much as you want. So we got there. It was like, mm, like 1130, almost noon. And I was looking around. There were some people who were like a couple beers in already. I was like, how are people just not blacking out here all the time? And how are they getting away with just, just being beers, able to yeah. like walk up and just get as much IPA as you want? I think at some point they will start charging you because they do they do free like taster pours, but then you can also purchase like a full pour, an actual pour for $4, I think, or something like that. Yeah. So I think at some point if you just are continually going up to the same person, they're going to be like, hey, like <laughs> you, you, you have to dude. buy one of these now because it's, <laughs> yeah, you're, we're giving you just... You know, too, too much. I thought something grandma, was fishy about your story. Grandma's though. drunk. Yeah. Who gave grandma six vocal bangers? The other thing is, is like, it's like the bars, those bars that give out, like, it's like you can get a free personal pan pizza, like the crocodile bar. And it's like, oh, dude, I'm just going to house them on pizza. And it's like, you eat a whole one and you're like, I don't really want yeah, another one. Yeah, you're not just going to sit yeah. there and keep eating pizzas. Are you going to, yeah. how many heady toppers can you sit there and drink? So we went, I went through the entire three twice. And after the second time, I was like, this is enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it. therefore, it's <laughs> right. not really right. that big a deal to them, I don't think. It, right. How big is their system? 
Uh, can you talk about the brewery at all? It's, I want to say it's a 10-barrel system. The smallest fermenters were 10 barrels, and the largest ones were 30 barrels, and they had a 30-barrel uh, bright tank. In that For order. like their production stuff. But that they have a second production site outside of the one we were at now, too, I think. Right. So the so Alchemist currently has now two, two facilities. One is in uh, Waterbury, which was where they started their their pr- uh, development on the new facility after their original like uh, brew pub location. And that's the one they currently use now just to produce heady topper basically <laughs> and they're, they're that beer so all the production's done there and then they move over to the place we, we went to in stowe and I, I think very very nil very little is actually produced there because they focus more on like the tasting room and education they, they do like classes and stuff they do tours like for as long as i can remember alchemist has always been very very like education driven like they have like pictures of like like how guinness like how you know the, the brewing process and pictures of hops and like but yeah. like the way they do things too so they're always about like educating the consumer i think that's where those tasters come in they want people to experience their beer and learn about it and kind of familiarize himself with it that's cool it is cool man i will say my one <laughs> my one big thing that i didn't like is i thought we were going to get to try all the beers before purchasing them. So essentially the way the stove facility is set up is you walk in, the room's literally divided. One half you go and you get the tasters and the other half is just straight for merchandise. And packaging, packaged stuff. Right. Correct. But it's more than just the beer. Like it's very, it's almost like a Disneyland of like breweries, like merch everywhere. Merch, 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 merch. They're, they're marketing their brand, not just the beer. Right. It's all about the freaking merch. So <laughs> free stickers though. Yeah, no. So I was like, all right, cool. Uh, you know, like when you walk in, there's a pedestal that tells you the cans you can purchase for the day. Again, it's all about like consumption, how many cases you can get. And right. I was just like, all right, well, like uh, hopefully I'll get to try all those so I can make an educated decision about the, the four pack or the beer I want to take home. And then when I saw that the only beers you could taste were the <laughs> Hedy Topper, Focal Banger, and Elena, which well, all three I've already had. Right. I Where do you like, get well, all, all the other ones on draft then? You don't. You don't. You so, have to purchase blind. So I that's what I did. I purchased those two cans we're about to try. But I mean, you blind. couldn't taste them all even if you paid for them at like the tap room. They only had three the taps. The tap room only has the three beers to try. That's it. That seems stupid, it right? It seems kind of like a waste. You yeah, have to that's like a, a disservice. <laughs> well, if, you, right. if education is your big thing, like I wh- think, what the hell? I think their mindset is that honestly, this guy started off with like being his beer's never gonna leave Vermont. He was selling it at freaking farmers markets and stuff. I think his idea is that like people from there know the beers anyway, so they're just coming to pick up their packaging to take it home, and like anybody else, either already knows about it or it's not his job to have to tie up lines to i don't know i i i I don't disagree with you that it's silly to make people buy blind but i think it's because he's coming from a point where it's like people ever like but okay my other question is like you're talking about buying cans right like correct where do you get these other beers on draft around Uh, the town or like, I mean, yeah, ar- around Vermont. Yes, in, in st- the entire time we were in Stowe, everybody had Focal Banger and Hetty Topper. Every bar we went to, even resort. But what about the like, other ones? That's what I'm asking about. I didn't see much of anything other than Focal Banger and Hetty Topper. And, and so why do they the, even bother making the other beer? <laughs> well, because it's the more exclusive, harder to get stuff. You have to go to that one Stowe facility right, right. to get, and that's fine. Like again, you're, you're making that facility a place 
for a destination for people to visit and that's fine but i'm that type of consumer that's like like i want to try try it it before i purchase it because i'm not going to go in blind and buy even a four pack i'm not going to invest in a four pack if i don't like a beer but i would invest in a four ounce taster let me let me let me tell you that this beer holy cow it smells good. It's called Holy Cow. So this is, is <laughs> this a fiddlehead? This is not a fiddlehead. No, no this, this is, is an alchemist. We're doing the, oh, wait, the right. Holy Sorry, Cow Sorry, we were talking about alchemist. alchemist. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. got a brain farted there, man. <laughs> uh, I don't know what happened. So this was their original IPA. Ooh. This is that was their flagship and the one they used to brew at the Waterbury, Waterbury Brew Pub. And this was the beer I fell in love with from the alchemist, coincidentally. Huh. Before... I hated. I did not like Focal Banger or Heady Topper. I thought they were too much. This is like a a little bit more kind of yeah, it's filtered, l- clean version of of a, a, what an IPA should be. It's to me. still really dry, um, and super bitter. It's got their thumbprint on it. Still, I think it's pleasant. But it's I actually think it's very pleasant. I don't think it's that bitter, especially considering the other beers I've saying. had from Alchemist. Compared but also, to it is bone dry, and I really like that. I, I love. Yeah, I love dry beer. I think this this Bones there was a reason why this used to be their superstar. Right. I, ha- I used to own a holy cow T-shirt like at the brew pub. There it was my favorite thing. It was great, and the branding's great. It's a cow can. <laughs> Come on, man! They're, it's from Vermont. Like it's so on, on brand. On fleek. <laughs> on fleek. Yeah. You like it though. The kid likes it. Just chugged it. I want to get to that crusher. Why? It's a double IPA. Oh, yeah? Want to not get to that crusher. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't think of a single place that offered any of their other beers. Not even... Elena seems to everywhere be the one that's we like there. Everywhere we went, it was cans of Heady Topper or Banger. That's like what they're pushing real hard. But that's what I'm saying because those are the, the two... Skews, they're mass producing in their Waterbury facility. I, bel- I remember the days I was telling the kid, I remember the days when I would go up to Vermont, this is, you know, five, six, seven years ago. You, there was literally one store, one place in Vermont that got cans outside of the brewing facility and you had to time out when you went there, like figure out from the distributor or whoever was dropping off the cans to this one place when they were going to do it. And it was only, I think, like a two, four pack limit. And they would literally sell out, like in, in minutes, sell out. So now that compared to, we went to, a, you know, a bottle shop across from Pro Pig when we were up in Waterbury and there were trays of it sitting in the bottom of the cooler. Uh, something, <laughs> right. something it was, production is definitely ramped up, which is crazy. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. Again, I I still see J3PO's point of like, if that's the case, like, why is more of their like, why are they still just leaning so hard on Focal Banger and Heady Topper? I get it for out of state or like production shipping awareness, but like at you your tap room, have everything on. But you don't think these beers also would be extremely rare and hard to get and just as loved as Heady Topper? I, th- I mean, I think Holy Cow is just as... I like this better than Heady Topper, actually. I agree. So, like, why, yeah, why is that not flooding our market? Like, I, I don't understand why they're leaning so hard on those two beers. I don't know. It's what the people want. It's they're giving the people what they want. Yeah? <laughs> I told you, people don't even know... This brewery is called The Alchemist. They just call it They say 
got to get some heady topper. They don't know the yeah. brand. They the, the heady topper is almost the brand. Yeah, but now. don't give the people what they want then, because those are the stupid people where the train has left the station and they just see heady topper and they go, "I have to have that." I've been that guy. Those are most people like, on the planet. But that's what I'm saying. Like, good chunk of that. But like, so that's what I'm saying. I was that guy once, right? I used to hear heady topper or see it. There was a bar over by the canals in um in Gowanus. That the guy is like from Vermont. He opened the bar there. He drives up to Vermont to buy Hetty Topper to sell in his fucking bar, which he's not supposed to be doing. But, you know, I used to walk into that bar and be like, oh, my God, they have it on the thing. I have to have it. I have to have it. And like now that I've had the holy cow, I'd be like, damn, man, why don't you buy some of that? <laughs> like, why are you spending all this time getting these same two beers? Holy cow's freaking better. I don't know. It's also I want something different. I want something I think is funny is as for me, um, like now that you can kind of get Hetty Topper anywhere, I'm completely over it. Oh man! Like the elusiveness of something is what makes it like sort of coveted in a lot of ways. Um, in every way, yeah, in every way, and you see this with every brewery ever. Like Alesmith, when they were first in the New York market, people would buy bottles and bottles and bottles of twenty-five ounce giant bottles of theirs. No, we can't sell it for <laughs> can't sell it for shit. That's yeah. crazy. This crusher's really flipping. Good. Okay, so yeah, I was gonna say some context here. Liza opened the crusher, which is the American Double India Pale Ale from uh, Alchemist, and it's eight percent by volume. There's a whole pint of it too. <laughs> we didn't even <laughs> finish the cow yet. This beer is really I feel like I, sh- I, see, I also feel like I should have rolled these before pouring them because uh, there's yeah. a lot of shit stuck in the bottom of these cans. But I don't really want that necessarily want that in my beer when I'm drinking it. So Yeah. Are they um like can conditioned or anything? Is there sediment in the bottom or is it just cuz of They're, the cloudy nature of it? Yeah, the unfilteredness right. of them. But it's not necessarily like when you have a bottle condition you see like yeast cells at the bottom. Right. Not like an Allagash white, which yeah. is that the way they tell you to they to roll it right to pour it halfway then to wait swirl it and then you know right right yeah that's different i like this much less um oh i like it it's my favorite so far out of the two (laughs) uh out of the four because i've had focal banger and topper yeah okay i see what you mean yeah um this actually i like this mouthfeel a little bit better yeah. One of the things I do like about a double India pale ale, the double IPAs are that um, because there's a little bit more malt backbone to get that alcohol level, sure. it balances a little bit more evenly than like a session IPA even. Like session IPAs often seem too hoppy to me, not because there's more hops than a double IPA, but just because there's there's nothing to balance it out. So it's just out of whack to me. And this is right. pretty well balanced. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I think this... Beer is brewed very well. I just don't, I don't care for, I don't know. I can detect the higher booze in this and the, the hop, uh, the hops they're using in this is not as preferred by me that, that they use in the Holy Cow. Hmm. And the Holy Cow is only 5%. Man, yeah. I'm real. I'm really, I'm Mover IPAs. <laughs> the more I drink them, the more I'm just like, this is absolutely not what I want right now, ever. I finally brewed uh, New England IPA, and uh, 
I've finally gotten around to actually kind of appreciating a little bit more, actually, this style. It took me a while. At first, I didn't really like it at all. Um, but now my brain is kind of changing. And I don't... I most... I, I like light lagers, German lagers. I drink that for the most part. That's like the... That does the heavy lifting of my beer diet. But so when I do mm-hmm. drink IPAs, I've, I've started to flirt with these. But I wouldn't drink more than... I would split a pint of this with someone and then move on to something else, honestly. Did you read this can, the Crusher can? I did. I was hoping you would in, say what hop in, strains were in it. In the words of Frank Zappa. Yeah. Did you say you want some more? Well, here's some more. It's a cool reference. I'm a big Zappa fan. I think what makes New England IPAs such an interesting style from like a brewer's perspective is that it really allows you to push the envelope of like uh, preconceived notions about IPAs. So it's like you can make one that's like super juicy and like super sweet. Like um, the one that comes to mind that I'm in love right now is Swish from brothers <laughs> or you can make something like super dank and rich like that heady topper the first time i ever remember cracking one open i was like this beer smells like weed and i like joked with the bartender who handed it to me and i was like is there weed in this and he was like no but it's crazy right it's like there's so much aromatics it lets you again push the unfilteredness you can make it as as opaque and translucent as orange juice or you can make it as clean and clear as like Plinley the Elder. Plinley the uh, Plinley Plinley. Pliny. 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 <laughs> it, it's really just all about what you want to put your fingerprint on that style to be. Like for me, it's super hazy. I do want all those like uh, floating radicals and I want it for that chewy mouth feel. I do want sweetness. And then I want it to just reek of tropical like fruit. This looks so light. 6%. All right. So moving on to fiddlehead. What's that? This is the sugar bush anniversary ale. Uh, it's an IPA. (laughs) <laughs> and Fiddlehead is is a, a brewery I fell in love with years ago when they first came out. I think we talked a little bit about this on last week's show because we were talking about brand loyalty. And when Fiddlehead first came on the scene, they're huge fish fans. I should say that. Like, huge fish fans. Everyone who works there is a huge fish fan. Loves fish. They have a fishman vacuum in the tasting room. Yeah, it's they're great. huge fans. Their whole first thing when they came out the gate was they were never going to make the same beer twice. And I think that's a, they had a very uh, fish mentality in their head like going into this and I remember hearing that and just thinking that was the dumbest thing I had ever heard in my life in terms of beer because I was like well what if I like something you have I'll never be able to get it again you know what I mean it was was weird in that regard it's very different from fish because fish are still playing songs that they wrote in the 80s you know they jam on them and that's one of the things I actually like to do when I'm brewing um same with self-plug, simple brewing company. Uh, but uh, when, like, the idea of something being slightly different, but, like, also the same. So, like, if you, like, like we do our lager series. series. Yeah, yeah but that's at least, you have a control. Exactly. Well, and, but that's, <laughs> and that's why I'm saying that, like, so someone doing, it's not like fish only jam and don't know what they're going to do. And like, you know, they have their right. songs not that they just play. just improvisational. Like, to me, the coolest part about a fish jam is it's different, it's different, different. And then all of a sudden you're like, fluff head. And right. everybody's it, it, singing, it, it, these, right. screaming these lyrics at the yep. top of their lungs yep. as a release. And so in brewing beer, it's like, I often say I want my beer to be like Fish of the Grateful Dead because it's like we have these staples, but then it's like, 
every seasonally we can variate them a little bit so they're slightly sure. different but still the essence is still there yeah sure um so and obviously fiddlehead didn't do that they did not <laughs> so these guys are based out of shelburne vermont uh the first the first time i did go up there uh, again evolution it's great they only had stuff on drafts. It's the only way you could experience it. They give you tasters, but then you had to get growlers and leave with growlers, and that was it. And now they're doing a ton of four packs. They they got some cans on the scene. It's great. Um, this is the best IPA we've drank tonight. Interesting. I think it's my least favorite so far. Huh. I think it's so crushable. I think it's got that little bit of sweetness. It's still, it's bitter but not like dry and like I want to drink water after. I just think it's really good. I could crush like twelve of these. I think it is. You would get uh, uh, a hurt stomach if you drink 12 uh, of these. I would uh, heartburn out the ass, but I, that's the thing. I could drink 12 of these. I'd suffer for <laughs> it. That's like, you know, I could <laughs> get like, Chinese food, but I'm going to shit the next day. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny you say that. I could jerk off with a razor blade, but like, <laughs> I don't. Like, <laughs> you might be I into it. Do. I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Masochist. I don't know. The kid. It's funny you say that because the kid definitely sat in this tasting room. We were there for like four hours. That's the longest I've ever seen him in one place and not be bored and wanting want to leave. Every beer we so, had was like so. I, up I drank. Your alley. I drank each one of them twice, and there was what pints. Yeah, and there was what my my, my gripe with Fiddlehead. Twelve they wouldn't beers? serve me half pours. Yeah, <laughs> they, had, they only serve you full pours, and I went through the entire list twice. Did really? God. And, and we're about to drink the Ho Dad. That's a freaking porter. I drank it sixteen like, ounce porter. Like it was nothing. <laughs> I would not have expected the hodad to be a porter because the term hodad to me growing up in Florida refers to like old hippie surfer dude. Really? Yeah. I didn't That's know what a hodad is as when I was growing nice. up. One thing I will say before we get into this next beer is yeah. this. Yeah, let's okay. talk about the sugar bush. The sugar bush, so for me it could actually be a little bit hoppier and there's something funny with the malt like almost like there's a slight wheat component to it or something. Yeah. And I get that. uh I, That's the way you like to brew, which is so funny to yep. me. Well, I mean, a lot of times there's flaked wheat, but it seems like a little bit more than normal. Um, it looks like yeah. a saison almost, but it it doesn't taste anything like it. I it's it's probably either what kind of yeast are people using over there these days? The Burlington Ale yeast, the London Four, yes. um, London Correct. Three, yeah, yeah. So like, I don't know. I I don't like the overall. Some of the individual flavors of this beer I like. I don't think it's in concert as good as <laughs> um, the other two we just had. Mm. Do you have you found any specs on this? Uh, it's it's thin and light. <laughs> it's a it's a little I, like I wouldn't thin, thin is light. Th would you call it thin? It's kind of chewy. It's actually fine. It, yeah, it's actually fine. It's actually creamy. You're right. I think yeah, it's just the, the, the drop. Great. The drop off is so quick yeah, it's for me. Session, that's what I'm telling you. That's I why don't. it's so sessionable. I could drink this on the mountain. You got to remember that on the can, it's a bunch of dudes skiing down Sugarbush. It's like I could have this in my backpack and be ripping down a mountain and be like, "Oh, I want to drink an IPA with my you know skiing bros," but we can actually drink this IPA and not have to get off the mountain to take a shit because it gave us such bad stomach aches. Like it's I don't know I think it's a good sessionable IPA. It's fine. It's just I'm also having it in context. Like I wonder if you just I drink I, I drink this first. Yeah. Yeah. It might be different. Yeah. Because um, having it like 
I, I built from holy cow into the crusher, and then you give me this, and I'm like, well, the flavor's a little off, but that's probably my palate is totally affected by these other two beers, which happens I to would, me all uh, the time. You got an extra cup over there, the kid? I would like to taste this next to the holy cow. The two IPAs next to each other. I mean, this other cup had I'm whiskey. I'm talking in about it. that one. Yeah. Yeah. Why the hell are you handing me a whiskey cup <laughs> when you have a tasting <laughs> cup right in front of you? <laughs> it's the barrel aged um, impersonation of holy cow. <laughs> this is. See, see, this nose smells like beer to me. The fiddlehead nose. Does just smells like astringency and hops. So it says key lime and red grapefruit come forward in this fruity dry IPA with notes of black tea in the finish. I smell the black tea. I get the key lime thing. I get like the weird. Like, I get it a little bit. Those citrus. are all flavors I don't really care for. Yeah. Together, <laughs> like that's why I'm saying it doesn't work in concert for me. Like I, I don't. And then when I smell um, the holy cow. That's so inviting that smell. It's got a like, slight sweetness, a little bit of malt. I like I like that that welcoming. Like, it smells ooh. malty, but then like slightly fruity. But you can tell it's not overwhelmingly right. like crazy hopped. Right. The tea was the tang for this, me. This 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 fiddlehead needs more malt. This needs more more built up malt in this recipe. The base malt. I wouldn't be surprised if it was like just two row. They need more like complexity in the building of of the malt. Turo and flaked wheat. Yeah, yeah, like that's what I'm saying. Like the, the holy cow is so much more like round and complex. Yeah, it's give me nuanced. give me something roasted to like ten yeah, loaf of bond yeah, at yeah. least. It's, or new, something, it's more know? nuanced. Smell it. Even just smell the holy cow next to the. That's the holy cow. I think. Yeah, that's the holy cow. See, yeah, you guys like like the malt characteristic and the smell that you get in the holy cow. I like it keeps it balanced. No, I'm man. sorry. You like the herbal tea smell. I like the herbal that? tea smell. There is it, the herbal tea smell at the end helps to bring out the juiciness at the beginning. I like that it's like sessionable and it falls off really quickly because the other two from Alchemist sit in your mouth forever. And then after drinking a whole pint of them, you're like, all I want is water. That's it. After drinking a whole pint of that, that sugar, <laughs> the fucking fiddlehead, I'll drink six of those before I go. I want some water. And that's what I'm saying. If I'm on the mountain, and I have a bunch of these in my backpack. The alchemist ones are going to get me off the slopes in a dangerous way quicker. The fiddlehead are going to make me black out and end up wrapped around a tree, which is probably even worse. But hey, wait, I was do that? it. <laughs> you just went weirdly south. I know, south I went weirdly there, south. Right? Yeah, <laughs> because that's how dangerously good I think the sugar bush is. I don't it's, think that. I think after like four, you'd be like, all right, I need some water. <laughs> and I think that. The know. intention, the, the intention is of the more bitter, I think. The yeah, intention, the intention of the uh, intention of the crusher and the holy cow are obviously not to be like shotgunning it while you're on a snowboard riding down a mountain and yeah. like and like and, and then and then you're talking Man, about this. It's like just because there's dudes skiing on it, it's like I don't know, like. To me, that's not like a like what I would consider. I don't ski that much, but uh, I go hiking a lot, and it's like. That's not a good hiking beer. You don't think out of the three, out of the three IPAs we had, the two from the Alchemist and the Fiddlehead, that you wouldn't want the Fiddlehead hiking more than the other two? I guess I would agree with you in that sentiment, but I don't want any of these fucking beers when I'm hiking. <laughs> agreed, agreed. <laughs> Say, I 100% agree with all that. All right, well, crack open that hoedad. Let's wrap this all up on a, you know, My a, last a one. neat little bow. So this is the first beer I ever tried from Fiddlehead and loved it. You know what's funny? I didn't really pay attention to the can art, and now that you explained what a ho-dad is in Florida, yeah. the can is a surfboard, flowers, yeah, palm yeah, trees. Yeah, exactly. Like, so why is it a porter? It's <laughs> a porter? Know. 
Yes. But damn, this it beer is, is good. Because like, look at that cover. When you think of flowers and palm trees and surfboards, do you think coconut porter? It's it's a chocolate <laughs> vanilla okay. toasted coconut porter, and I know well, that sounds. <laughs> I know that sounds like a lot of shit. You know me and my but you, but slight aversion to coconut. You gotta taste it. Oh yeah, you I can't wait. It. I can't fucking wait. Uh, I feel like I should be putting a floral print button down on. Uh, you know, that's what they <laughs> right. wear in Miami, right? What they wear in my what do you uh uh J3PO, what do you think of this the fiddleheads logo? The kid was shitting all over it uh, the whole it's time such a we fucking were there. Terrible logo. Thank Hold on, this is this is like from their website, like what their logo looks like. It's this little thing up here. It's a fiddlehead fern. Hey. Hey yo. Oh, What's weird is like when I first look at it, it's like, what is it? It looks like a f- weird frog or something. It looks like Nightmare Before Christmas. Two little Nightmare um, Before Christmas mountains. I don't know. Next so to each what's other. wrong with it? <laughs> Why are we shitting? So like weird. The kid was shitting on it when we were at <laughs> the, the brewery. The whole four hours we were there, I was like, their logo sucks. <laughs> yeah, they're like their logo's not good. Someone should redefine this logo. <laughs> the Alchemist logo is worse. Uh, oh, it's really? So worse. Oh, I like Gundam. Dude, this porter it's is it, so it, it's good. That, it's that, yeah. This is like my new uh, Mocha Merlin. This beer is so fucking good. I'm really mad we can't get it in our market. I'm going to slay that whole rest of that four pack. You never say good things about porters. I know, right? That's what's fucking crazy about this beer. Yeah, I, I like really... A, to me, really, I'm looking really, at your guys. It looks like it could be a little darker. Yeah, it's very light. It's The whole thing is so light. <laughs> Maybe and that's more part of the ho-dad thing. Like, you don't want the roasted grains messing with your coconut flavor. I'm about to pour some, so I haven't even drank it yet. Uh. There's also lactose in this beer. They yeah, de- they so left great. that out, but so it, I think it gives, obviously, to the mouthfeel. Well, something. the creamy mouthfeel. Yeah, maybe. for sure, for sure. I had to drink a 16-ounce pour of this. <laughs> I helped I took, you. It took me two hours to I, drink a 16-ounce no, pour No, I helped this. you, and you got mad at me because I ended up drinking a lot. A lot of it, and I ordered it. I love one. it. I love this beer. So it's fucking good. The only thing I drank there in the saison, but I, I didn't want. I don't want sixteen ounces of this. I want twelve ounces of this. I want four to eight ounces of this max. No, I'll drink a whole sixteen ounces and go back for more. That's what I'm saying. That's what I love about this beer. J three PO is trying okay. it for the first time. Okay, yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of coconut there to me. A lot of coconut. Yeah. Like this tastes like I'm drinking a porter and then I took a bite of my surfboard wax. <laughs> surfboard wax tasted like coconut. Well, it but smells yeah. like coconut. Yeah, 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 you yeah, ever yeah, had like yeah, have scented yeah, surfboard wax? Yeah, yeah, obviously, suntan lotion is you're not you're, a golfer. Woo! Anyway, this was one of the OG beers they brewed, and I was very, very happy that they decided to put it back into production and keep it in their their regular rotation. Obviously, there's cans of it, so they're producing it in large enough batches where they're canning it off. Uh, And I just think this is such a unique beer, and I think it's a really well-brewed beer. And I think, the kid, your favorite thing in recent time has been, like, you want delivered to you what someone tells you is going to be delivered flavor wise. And I think this tastes like I taste vanilla, chocolate, I taste coconut, vanilla, coconut, and I taste porter. chocolate. And I hate chocolate. I grew up allergic to it. I can't stand it. They also again they're very and big with it. Like so, it. So it's cocoa nibs, right. vanilla, lactose, and toasted coconut. Word. Hey. 
A U. Oh, there's a whole. Th- should I read this whole thing? There's a whole thing on this can. Yeah, go for it. When my cousin Porter drove into town, surfboard strapped to his roof, there was already snow on the ground. You can't surf in Vermont, I said. Tell it to my lucky coconut bra, he said, holding up a coconut carved with a monkey face. <laughs> I told it, but he said he didn't mean it that literally. Skiing is just poser surfing, he said. It's for hodads. He was determined to figure out how to surf in Vermont. When the slopes opened, <laughs> he brought his surfboard. Jesus, this guy's crazy. After last year, I found him in the lodge, covered in bruises. He was drinking a beer and munching sadly on a bar of chocolate. Look at me now. I'm just another hodad now, he cried. <laughs> he smashed his lucky coconut on the table and pieces flew everywhere one even fell into his beer porter took a sip then ate another piece of the chocolate you know he said smiling for the first time that winter maybe this isn't <laughs> maybe it isn't such a bad thing to be a ho dad so Is that's that true so that's that's, that's, totally fucking hilarious. that's i don't know if i believe <laughs> you guys believe this shit <laughs> no i absolutely believe a surfer dude came to vermont and was and like invented I'm gonna snowboarding use my- like, no no <laughs> he was stubborn and he said i'm gonna use my surfboard to snowboard well, that to me was said, like skiing is just a poser surfing isn't that the is it, what what year did that Snow- happen is he well, the first snow- snowboarders were surfers who were trying to figure it out so he was one of those dudes so it's 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 a half truth the can is a half truth like no one it's went the, to a mountain and tried to use a surfboard to go down a fucking mountain. So it's like the Bible. But the, they, the they story using the story happened because them. it's the inspiration for the spear. Huh? I said this story happened because it's the inspiration for the spear. Or maybe they made that beer and were like, "We need a story." Yeah, that's more like a, lot of a bunch of people beer, sat down and said, "Hey, let's write a thesis for someone's you know degree." And we're like, "Hey, let's make up this whole new world." <laughs> No way, man. Let's just try getting all Game the craziness out of his brain. <laughs> Face plant into rock. Fussy plant into rock. <laughs> so right. out of out of the four, what's the winner here? Uh, you winner for what? Well, what's all your time? favorite beer? Yeah, all time out of all of them? Uh, no, yeah, out of these out of the, four. The four we just tasted, not all what's time history. Not all, I meant all the four that we drank. Semantics, you assholes. Um... I want to say it's the sugar, uh, the sugar bush for me, even though the Hodad's great and it's a style that I don't normally drink. I think I would, if I had to crush any of these or electively drink more than one of them, it would be the sugar bush. And that's how you judge favorite. That's your scale I, of favorite. I would say that if I'm, the pint if, if I'm, right, going, if right. I'm, yeah, if I'm going to drink a beer, how I choose which one wins is, does it pass the pint test? Yeah. Can I drink more than one? Okay. Uh, One and fair. duns don't that's count fair. to me. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. J3PO? Um, my answer is slightly mixed because my favorite to taste was the Crusher. But huh. if I had to drink two pints, I'd probably take the Holy Cow. That's mine as well. Mine out of all four favorites. Even though I really, really love the Hodad, uh, I would... Holy Cow. The I ho- wanted to taste it more than once. I like the Hodad. I think this is fun, but I, I don't want like i would like this with a di- a well-paired dish yeah you know eight ounces of it with a well-paired dish as a, yeah. you know at a nice no. dinner or something but i, I don't want to i don't want to drink it like to drink beer like right. when i drink Correct. beer to drink beer it's usually lighter lagers obviously sure. uh, you know but that's interesting that you say that because i would think that you'd want to pair that with like a dessert so what would you who don't like sweets and have more of a savory palate what would you pair that porter with 
Probably a spicier Asian thing. Okay. Or like a like a dry rub like meat. Actually, it would be really great with red dry rubbed meat. That's yeah. a that's a good call. That's a good because you put call. coffee. Yeah, co- coffee co- coffee is typically yeah, in, in, in the yeah, rub. You, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Like some nice dry rubbed ribs that are nice right. and charred, and you yes. have this to go with it. That would be great, especially if it, this would be awesome with spicy stuff too. Um, I often like when you okay if the dish is spicy the beer is sweet if the beer is spicy the dish is a little sweet so like if you have some kind of pepper ale you know people are doing these the, you know the habanero sculpin or something then sure. give it to me with a nice cool cucumber salad or something for sure for like sure. i like to 100%. go opposite but 100%. you can also complement things with similar like spicy food and spicy beer but for the most part especially with this beer i think i'd want it with something kind of spicy yeah, well, man. there's this really awesome. It's nice uh, wings. I'm think no, I'm thinking a of burger? In Puerto Rican food. We make the uh, chimichurri sauce. Yeah. So take like a nice cocoa nib. Isn't chimichurri steak. Argentinian? Uh, pretty sure. It's chimichurri is like Spanish. all over the place. Yeah, it's Latin America. But it, um, with ours, it's sofrito that makes the chimichurri base. It's not just the cilantro. Right. Okay. Cilantro's yeah, yeah. in sofrito, yeah, 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 and then yeah. you use that, and you make the chimichurri. So that's why I'm saying, like, you're yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> they're all derivatives of whatever hey, but that's me and then i would put it on this big mountain of mofongo mm. i i do mm. think this beer is brewed uh in a, in a respectful way where you can pair it with food even though there's so much going on just because it's a little lighter in body and and the all the adjuncts are uh, they're kind of like evenly distributed and like all have their place and work with each other. Like, I think you're right. Right. Like it's when you look at this beer, you're like, fuck no, there's too much going on in that beer. Like, fuck this. I think it could use <laughs> a little bit of a darker roasted malt, okay. like a carafa two or something like okay. another like 300 Lovabon area just to okay. cut away. The coconut. Like, yeah. yeah. You don't want it to like, I wouldn't want it to be overly roasty or like, yeah, you're you know, losing me almost when you said that. Charged, char, char tasting, but like you, I, I want a little bit more depth with the malt. See, to but I think that. that's because you're getting a lot of vanilla and a lot of coconut, and you who is very sensitive yeah, to sweet. Yeah, you wanna, those aren't my. You those aren't my dogs. Yeah, <laughs> so not I, right, no, coconut why, ain't a ride or die, bitch. But man. that's why I think <laughs> it's interesting because I think this is sweet enough for me that it's cutting the chocolate. And the fact that it's lighter body, I, like I'm getting less coffee, like there there are parts of it that I appreciate. So it's interesting for us to contrast like, that way because I have a really sweet, savory palate and you have our sweet palate. You have a really savory. Palate. Well, and also I forgot that you sort of have a thing with chocolate, like in the way that I have a thing with like cinnamony nutmeg flavors where yeah. it's like, get it out of here. Wait, That's why I'm also surprised you didn't just pick up on the vanilla in this and go be like, there's too much vanilla. Well, my palate is nice and refined. Uh. <laughs> All right. I think there is something to be said when uh, two people out of these three don't like flavors in this beer and you're still saying that it's a, a good beer. It's good. Yeah, I just poured yeah. myself some more. Yeah. I'm going to drink this until it's gone. It's just sometimes with the coconut flavor, it becomes suntan lotion and that's a very yeah, fine, would, there's a fine line agree. there. I 100% agree. I absolutely agree. For fact, sure. I need a palate cleanser. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, drink your Budweiser. Bud heavy. <laughs> Brought All to you right. by Bang. This is the fucking king of well, beers, guys. This is a long episode, but we had four beers to try, which we always know takes us a little longer, and we had a lot to say about fish. Uh, yeah, thanks, thanks J3PO to Vermont. Here. Thanks to Vermont for producing these beers. Thank you, J3PO, for 
your continued and amazing fish knowledge and for being a guest on this show. I always love it. It's great. Fantastic. This is a good one. I'll come back. This is an effortless, nice, good one, I think. Yeah, no one got into a fight. No one one stepped on anybody's toes. This is a good episode. All right. Well, on that note, all right. What are we going on? Hold on. on? When are we going to release the lost 3PO archives? Because there's some wasted shit of me. Oh, man. (laughs) I mean, there's still the whole uh, After Dark episode (laughs) that no one will ever see. There's one point, and I think we recorded that day for an hour and 45 minutes. And it was no way, after dude. We talked for like three hours. And, and of it, that's what <laughs> no I'm saying. No joke. And we thought everything you were saying was the no, best no, no, thing No, 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 no. When it's actually the three of us talking, it was an hour and 45 minutes. And then it digresses to the list me of just checks promos. out. And you and me read promos, right? Like, yeah, me and him trying to do promos. Got a Jabru coming at you this fall. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. You're right. I yeah. forgot about that. <laughs> that you were doing carts for this. It, yeah. went, it went off on a tangent a little bit. <laughs> Maybe uh, we'll maybe we'll bring the soundboard you should, you back should and just do bring some a, of those. Bring a snippet in every now yeah, and then. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. A no, fake, that's fake that's promo code. No, that's soundboard. a fucking good idea. We're gonna take the snippets and throw them in the soundboard. They'll be great. <laughs> every once in a while, when we need a, a second to catch our breaths, it'll just be J3PO. <laughs> you were listening no, no, to no. It, whatever. No, so then it what devolved, were some of them? Then it devolved into you guys trying to say like the side of like you know when you the go on like, oh yeah side effects may include like yeah oh my god we have to. You guys have to bring some of that back. Uh, that shit's hilarious. That was hilarious. I think <laughs> it was See, at the that's time. What I'm saying. I think we thought. Does it, was it hold a lot up? Yeah. No. What's really funny <laughs> is that J3PO would instantly start laughing and fuck up because the one side effect he wanted to be in all of them were anal leakage. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be like, "No, no, no, no anal leak. Uh, fuck. <laughs> Do it again." All right. <laughs> Gonna make a black and tan here. Oh, fantastic. Look at uh, this. Look at this creative interesting. guy. Interesting. All right. Well, All right, Well, thank you for joining us on episode 34 of God Jabru. J3PO, always a pleasure. Thank you for being on the show. What are we going out with me. the kid? Uh, I'm not going to tell you because it's coming in on a jam, but it will be in our notes for the episode. So we will see you next time. Guess uh, the jam, losers. Uh,